a happy Father's Day. I'm sorry. Just the fathers. I <laughs> know. Okay. All right, there we go. I'm still coming over there, Natalie. She says, yeah, yeah, whatever. Bless your heart. So I do need to make a couple of announcements, and I don't like doing that stuff after, so we're going to do it beforehand. Um, there's a couple of things. Some of you have got this daily devotional before. Carpe, you want one of these? Um, and they cost us $2. That's just the way it works. It's not free. Daily bread we give out for free. I can't give these for free because it just costs money. So we make a donation all the time for devotionals, and we give to the daily bread. Um, RBC is who it is. But this one is a devotional that's a little bit um, more, a little more in-depth, and it's a real good devotional. I've only got a 20 or so. Um, so I can't give them to everybody, but they are, it's just a, a set number. So can't keep doing everything I do like that. So I'm going to ask you to see um, see me after church. If you want one of these, I'll order more. It's, uh, it's kind of like that for this is June, July, and August. And so it'll be coming out. Uh, it will bless you. If you struggle with your devotional life, this would be a good little aid for you. It's quick hit. It's something you can read in a matter of minutes. Uh, every day and reflect on it then for the rest of the day. So Carpe's been asking me, so here's one for you, Carpe. Um, let's see, what else? We have um, the reason Natalie, Natalie's always in my heart, but um, Natalie and Stephen, which is Jeannie's um, son and daughter, um, their father passed away this uh, last week at 58 years old, I believe. Is that right? Suddenly, it was unexpected, and um, so, you know, the finality of, of that is a uh, heavy burden on Father's Day, naturally, and um, so we just want to uh, be sure for, uh, for Natalie that um, all the things that I know about your life and, and uh, your dad and your brother, that, you know, I just, uh, my heart is there from the Father in heaven. So um, we're, we're going to be doing, they've asked if I would do a service for him Monday. Uh, so tomorrow will be uh, viewing or visitation. That's 2 to 4 and 6 to 8. It's going to be at Altmeyer Bachneck over in uh, Bel Air. And then uh, I'll be doing the service at 1 o'clock on Tuesday. And uh, the toughest part is, is that sometimes I struggle most with, uh, isn't really, uh, how many know we don't struggle with where we think we're doing okay? It's those elements where we know we should do better or could do better. And sometimes that's as a papa. So. I told Stephen the other day, I said, my dad died at 59, but he fought a year, a little over a year, a year and a half uh, fighting cancer. So we kind of knew what was coming. But when this stuff comes like that, it takes your breath away. It's not easy to recover. It's okay to grieve for what's lost. It's okay to grieve for what uh, what wasn't. Um, the best part is is that God used um, used your daddy in this case to bring you into this world, and that speaks of purpose 
and speaks of the goodness of God. So let's uh, just, I want to pray for, if you've lost a dad, you're like me with a heavy heart on Father's Day. If your dad's sick, you know that there's a day that comes. We don't have forever, and uh, we never know. So always, when you have the time, reconcile to whatever degree. The Bible says so much as it depends on you. Be at peace with all people. And the most difficult thing we might do is to be able to honor um, your parents sometimes, even as we get older. But it's the one command that comes with a a promise from God that if we'll honor mothers and fathers, that we'll have a long life, that it will go well with us. Amen. So I pray for the ministry of reconciliation, God. For uh, I, I know your heart, I know your pain, I know how you weep over us, you weep over those who have uh, lost, you weep over those who have uh, not known their, their dads in some case. You weep over, over illness and pain and sorrow. I know that, God, it uh, matters to you. And so, God, you experienced it firsthand with your son. So, God, uh, I want to pray for the comfort of the Holy Spirit upon on everyone who has lost, everyone who has uh, really not known the, uh, the love of the Father as you had ordained, God. And I agree there's forgiveness and there's grace for all of our failures, for all of our weakness, for all of our misgivings. And so, God, I also pray and thank you for the rejoicing that we get, the delight we have that you've given us children that you've given us uh, wives, God, that we have family, and that we are dads. Father, for those who are dads to be yet, dads, uh, maybe they never became a father, but God, they've experienced because you'll use them to be models and to impart in in nephews and grands and and, 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 uh, cousins and, and people who just gather around friends and family. So God, I thank you that uh, you are our Papa in heaven. God, I pray for Natalie and Stephen, especially for for, uh, for the uh, family, uh, uh, Phil, and just uh, I'm praying that somewhere in, in his life he made a decision for you, Jesus, and that God, uh, he got in. We thank you for your grace and your goodness, and that, that they'll know your strength now for the coming days. God, that you'll help us to live our lives well, not to take anything for granted. We thank you, God, that you hear us, that you love us, that you're so faithful to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. Again, I do want to wish a happy Father's Day to all the fathers and um I believe today with what the Lord has given me, I do want to pay honor to fathers today. And I hope that uh, what the Lord has given me today that I will give to you and pass on to you will be principles of life that you can pass on to your further generations and to your children. And that is our ultimate goal that God has for fathers. So in your bulletins, I have our, my opening text of Scripture. Um, I am going to be pulling from others Uh, verses throughout my message to incorporate principles again to you that you can apply to your life and to your teaching to your children.
So the scripture for, that I have is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verses 4 through 9 that's in your bulletin. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be, be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Before I get into the message, I just want to ask some questions to call back some things of your father. And I know that as pastor has stated that several fathers here are not with us today, that they have been called home. But there are still others that we do have our fathers. We're blessed with that. So a question that I want to ask today is, when you think of your father, can you think of a principle that your father has imparted into your life? I want you to take a moment and think of that. Think of something that your dad has imparted into your life that he, even again, he might not be here or he is still with you today, but something that he has instilled in you that has carried you on through life. Another question, what is your relationship or what was your relationship with your father? How do you feel about the way that he raised you? What part of his parenting style you use or will use when you have children? Or what do you use currently if you have children? And what mistakes of his would you like to avoid? I want to talk this morning of the fathers. What are you leaving behind? What is your legacy? What are you leaving behind? So in the opening scripture that I read, there's some principles. There's some, um, what it can be considered duties in the opening scripture in Deuteronomy in chapter 6. And here's some that the Lord has given to Moses and Aaron to give to the children of Israel and to the, all the parents. And, and one of them is in verse 5, to love God wholeheartedly is a principle that a parent and a father should instill in their life and into their children. The next is to have God's word in their heart. To apply the word. David says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. In verses 7, he says to teach them diligently to your children. Teach the commandments to your children. To talk of them when you're sitting in the house and walking by the way, lying down and rising up. He says to bind them for a sign upon the hand and upon the forehead in verse 8. He even goes on and says to write them upon the doorposts and the gates. Place them throughout their house. I know a lot of fathers, even in the morning before their children go off to school, would write a little verse and place it on the mirror in their bathroom just to encourage their children before they go off to school. Just implant the Word of God into their life to let them know no matter what trial you face today, no matter what circumstance, no matter if a bully comes at you, know that your dad and your heavenly father has your back. 
These are values that you place into your children by placing the word of God into your heart and throughout your home. In verses 10 and 12, he says to remember God and serve him in prosperity and in success. Always place God first. And I know as men, sometimes we can get prideful and think that we have the possessions because we've worked hard for it. And that is, there's a lot of things that that fathers and parents work hard, but we never forget to where the blessings come from. That's our heavenly father. To remember him, even in your poverty and even in your success. He's still the God. He's the God of the rich and he's the God of the poor. To fear the Lord and to serve him and swear by his name, if you continue through chapter 6, to detest idols, to refrain from tempting God, to diligently keep the commandments, and in verse 18, to do that which is right and good in the sight of God and man. Throughout all the fathers that I studied to prepare for today, there's many I could have chose from to talk of, but one that really intrigued me and interested me, and actually it was Moses' father-in-law, and his name is Jethro. And we read of him, and actually in Exodus chapter 3, we begin to see of, of the relationship and how Moses became to come into the relationship with Jethro. And actually what happened is, let me give you a brief little summary here. Moses, of course, um, was born a Hebrew, uh, uh, born a child of Israel, and exactly what happened was Pharaoh put out of a census to kill um, the firstborn, or to kill the male, male child, and from this, Moses' mother put him, wrapped him in, in like papaya leaves, and made him an ark, and sailed him down the Nile River, long story short, by the hand of God, that he was able to be given back to his mother, but he was raised in the house of Egypt, and under uh, Pharaoh. Well, what happened was um, that Pharaoh put very hard restrictions on the children of Israel, and they were slaves. And so Moses one day looked out and saw that his people was being uh, tormented and being violated. And so what happened was one day he went out into the field, and he saw one of the Egyptians in, in beating on one of the Hebrews. And actually what Moses did was Moses killed the man. And so as the event goes on, that what happened was that it was found out. And it was reported back to Pharaoh. And for Moses, fearing his life, he fled to a land called Midian. While he was there, he came across a well. And at the well, there were seven daughters, which was Jethro's daughter. Jethro was a Mennonite priest. And so what happened was that while the seven daughters came to the well for water, there was other shepherds abiding around, and they began to chase off these seven daughters. Moses intervened. Moses saved them and had a relationship. When the daughters went back to Jethro, their father, and told what Moses had done, they said, the father said, well, why didn't, you bring him, why didn't you bring him back to the house? So he sent word out to him. They brought him back to the house, which started the relationship between Moses and Jethro. It is believed that Moses stayed and abided with Jethro for approximately 40 years. Upon that time of that, Jethro gave one of his daughters, Zipporah, to Moses as wife. 
So through these 40 years, Moses and Jethro established this relationship. And what happened then was that Moses was out tending to his father-in-law's sheep, and that is where he encountered God through the burning bush. So through this, he went back, and he told Jethro that he has been called. He wants to go back to Egypt and to see uh, his people. And, mo- and really what would ha- was happening was God was sending him to be the deliverer. So I know that's a little maybe longer summary. So what happened is he goes. We know, hopefully we all know what happens, that um, God did have his hand on Moses. He was the deliverer from the children of Israel, and he did bring them out. An interesting thing that happened was while Moses and Zipporah was on their way back to Egypt, the Bible says that the Lord became angry with Moses because he did not circumcise his sons. And so Zipporah had to more or less rise up and provide the circumcision. And actually, it saved Moses' life. So it is believed through some, because as we will find in the verse I'm going to in Exodus chapter 18, is that um, what happened was, it is believed that Moses had sent off Zipporah and sent her back to her father. And so what I find intriguing about Jethro is this. He had seven daughters. And in a time to where men was ruling, he still, it's one thing to, to maybe look at other daughters and, and, and think thoughts of, of like, well, they're not being raised right or, or their morals aren't right. But when somebody thinks that about your own daughter, it's something totally different. So Jethro was able to keep principles and instill things into his daughter's life in this time when men was ruling and even to provide them even to be clean of their femininity. So this is one of the things I really am intrigued of Jethro. And, and, and as it goes on, so I'm here at verse uh, chapter 18, and it talks of this. So the relationship with um, Moses and Jethro has become united. He now, Moses, uh, Jethro now hears of what all that God had done and delivered the people from the Egyptians. So it starts in verse 18, and it talks about that Jethro sends word to Moses. Now they're in the wilderness, and now God led them out. And so now Jethro is coming, and he's now bringing his wife, or his daughter Zipporah, and and Moses' two sons to him. And this is the legacy that Jethro leaves behind. And it picks up in verse 13. And it says, the next day, Moses took his seat to hear the people's dispute. Because what happened was, when Jethro came and saw what Moses was doing, Moses was trying to counsel all these people that came to him with his problems. And Jethro, being a father-in-law, and the relationship that they had for 40 years, began to see that this was a hard thing on Jethro. So what he does was, he sits down with Moses, and he begins to offer counsel. To his son-in-law. So it says, the next day Moses took his seat to hear the people's dispute against each other. They waited before him from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw that Moses was doing to the people, he asked, what are you really accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening? 
Moses replied, because the people come to me to get a ruling from God. When a dispute arises, they come to me, and I am the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. I inform the people of God's decree and give them his instruction. This is not good, Moses' father-in-law exclaimed. You're going to wear yourself out and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Now listen to me and let me give you a word of advice and may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing their disputes to him. Teach them God's decrees and give them the instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives. But select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as leader over groups of 1,150 and 10. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes, but have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will help you carry the load and making the task easier for you. If you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures, and all these people will go home in peace. Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice and followed his suggestion. He chose capable men from all over Israel and appointed them as leaders over the people. He put them in charge of groups of 1,150 and 10. These men were always available to solve the people's common disputes. They brought the major cases to Moses, but they took care of the smaller matters themselves. Soon after this, Moses said goodbye to his father-in-law, who returned to his own land. I read all this for this purpose, that in a time of need and in a time of crisis, his father-in-law saw that he needed help. And based upon the knowledge that, that Jethro had as being a, Meden- a Mennonite priest, he offered this advice to his father-in-law. Not only was Jethro a good father to raise up seven daughters in a time and in a land where men ruled, but he also was a good father-in-law to instill core values and principles into his son-in-law's life that was the husband of his, of his daughter. So he was still even thinking of his daughter in all this time. This was an example that I just thought was really intriguing, that not only was he a good father, but he was also a good father-in-law. We are instructed in Ephesians chapter 6. This is very familiar to a lot of us. There's a lot of principles in the Bible given to parents and even given to fathers. I hear so many people say to me, well, I have children, but they didn't come with instructions. Can I challenge you this morning to change your thought process and believe that, yes, children did come with instructions, and the instruction manual is the Word of God, because there is a lot of principles that tells you how to raise your children right, how to raise them honorably, how to raise them to be loyal and honorable to you, and how to raise them to function in society and to treat people as God designed and ordered you to treat them. Yes, children do come with an instruction manual. It's God's Word. Ephesians 6, 4 gives a, a, I guess it would be a warning to fathers. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Let me just tell you this morning that a wise parent seeks to make obedience desirable and attainable by love and gentleness. That's a wise parent. 
Then it's also echoed in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 21. This is a strong warning again to fathers. In the Amplified Version, it says, Fathers, do not provoke or irritate or fret your children. Do not be hard on them or harass them, lest they become discouraged and sullen and morose and feel inferior and frustrated. Do not break their spirit. What he's saying is this. You have been given a gift from Almighty God, the Heavenly Father himself. He has entrusted you with his own creation and his own child. And he's saying to you, don't make rules and and responsibilities so hard on your children that when they, they can't measure up, that it can break their spirit and they can begin to lose hope in you and they can become discouraged and think that I will never amount to anything. I can't ever measure up to my father. And this is what he's saying. Don't push your children's buttons, but encourage them and still things in them. The human father should never present himself as the ultimate authority to determine truth and duty. It is only by making God the teacher and ruler on whom authority has over everything is done that the goals of education can be attained. Rewarding your children when doing good helps build character and self-respect like almost nothing else. It is encouraging your children. Martin Luther, he said this. He said, when you have your rod of correction, have an apple beside it because there should always come encouragement while you're correcting as well. I remember my parents always told me when I was when I was spanked, yes, believe it or not, I actually did things that was bad. It's hard to believe. <laughs> but I remember my parents always saying, this is what it hurt me more than it hurts you. I never understood that until I got older. And until my relationship with God and at times in my life where I felt like I disappointed my Heavenly Father. And I began to realize that in those times I've disappointed my parents That's when they said, it's going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Because they want you to succeed. They want their children to, they want you to succeed. They want you to do right in life. And they want you to be honorable to them. So I began to realize that. Another thing is to do something special with each child. If you have multiple children, do something special. I know some parents, I know, know, let me just ask for the fathers in here. How many fathers in here? That your father or you have done something on a car together with your, with your son. Okay? Can I ask a father, what, what is the purpose of that? There's a reason. What is that? Why do you do that? Yes, it is. Exactly. You're imparting something into their lives. And I know a lot of times that fathers will take that time as they're beginning to build things together, that they are instilling things into that son's life. They're taking that time of bonding and taking that time of building something together. If it's a car, if it's spending time fishing, whatever it is, that's a lot of times that fathers begin to instill things into their children. So if, it's, if you haven't instilled, instilled that into your child, think of something for them. Get something that each one of your children likes differently. 
I have statistics that I wanted to share this morning, just two. And some of these are, are very striking. It says only 39% of U.S. teens indicate they are emotionally close to their fathers. 39%. 70% of teens have daily conversations with their mothers about important issues in their life, compared to the 53% of teens who have similar type of conversations with their fathers. There's something not right. Fathers are leaders. Fathers are examples. And I'm not saying that to any father here, because first of all, I want to commend the fathers that are here this morning. You're in the house of God. You're where you need to be. It's important to you. You are being an example to your children that God comes first in your life, and I commend you for that today. But there is something going on in our culture with fathers, and a lot of fathers are abandoning their children. They're walking out, and I believe that this, if you want to look at spiritually, that this is an attack against the leadership. But I'm here to tell that men and to encourage you and to the fathers today that it's time for us to stand up, to rise up, Today, the media is putting out, I hate seeing these commercials that paints fathers to be the stupid person in the household. And that's not true. It is against our moral fabric. It's against what God has instilled. The men are leadership. We are fathers. We're not stupid. My father was not a stupid person. My father has instilled things into me. I honor him, look at him, and respect him. And many fathers that are here today, you're not stupid stupid as the media is trying to portray you, but you're smart. You're backing up your life and raising your family by the principles and morals of the word of God. And God will honor you for that. And God, you will see the rewards if you faint not. God wants you to succeed as being a father. All of heaven backs you. He's gave you instructions. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to be prosperous and even your children after you to leave a legacy behind. God cares for you. As I'm moving on, the Lord showed me the word impart. And I love the word impart because it's made of two words. I'm part. I'm part of. I'm part of my children's life. This is the definition of impart. It says to make known, to tell, to relate, to disclose, to impart a secret. To make known, tell, relate, disclose, to impart a secret, to give, bestow, communicate, to impart knowledge, and to grant a part or share of. Impart something to your children. I'm part of my children's life. Take time to impart knowledge into them. Take time to impart the word of God into their life and character and just everyday life values. Be a part in their life. Proverbs 7, verses 1 through 2 tells us, Follow my advice, my son. Always treasure my commands. Obey my commands and live. Guard my instructions as you guard your own eyes. Tie them on your fingers as a reminder and write them deep within your heart. He has given us instructions. God is even so merciful that there was an encouraging scripture even to those that might have, their fathers might have passed on or you might not have even known your earthly father. In Psalm 71, when you have a moment to later in your devotion time to read that, that the psalmist writes 
and tells that even throughout his life of how God instructed him and God cared for him and God watched over him. He goes on, uh, Solomon goes on a very another familiar scripture in Proverbs 22 and verse 6. He says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Again, in Psalms 127 and verses 3 through 5, it gives, Behold, children are an heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. He is telling you that your children are an inheritance from God Almighty. It is Jesus said, you are now a joint heir with the Heavenly Father. I made up uh, handouts that people, uh, I have volunteers want to hand out. And this is good and bad biblical parents. So I just want you to take these home. And this is for both uh, mother and father. Take time to look that there's examples given in the Bible of good and bad parents. One of the good parents, a father's boy, is healed and leads to his whole household believing in Jesus. Of the bad parent, one tried to kill his own son because he was jealous and harbored hatred towards the next appointed king. Take time to look at these and to see that there is examples that God has put of good parenting and bad parenting. You can learn from the principles of the good and learn from the mistakes of the bad. Thank you, Jesus. Another, quickly, Is Paul. Some might think, as myself, I do not have any earthly children. But as Paul, Paul had a spiritual son. And Paul had a son that, a spiritual son that he called Timothy. And he instilled things in Timothy. And actually, two books of the Bible, first and second Timothy, was written. And Paul wrote to the other people telling them how proud he was of Timothy in Philippians 2.22. He says, you know that Timothy has provided himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Let me encourage you, those men today, today that do not have an earthly child, but maybe God has brought others into your life, other people to mentor, and other people to impart wisdom and truth that God has given you. We do have spiritual children that God has brought into our lives. So don't think that today as we celebrate fathers that you are forgotten in this as well. I have a list of quotes that we will put up of people that have stated things about their fathers. I want you to look at some of these statements that people have made about their own father. Any man can be a father, but it takes someone special to be a dad. One father is more than a hundred schoolmasters. My father didn't tell me how to live. He lived and let me watch him do it. I don't know who my grandfather was. I'm much more concerned to know what his grandson will be, Abraham Lincoln. Sometimes the poorest men leave his children the richest inheritance. A truly rich man is one whose children run into his arms when his hands are empty. And Proverbs 10.1 says, A wise son maketh a glad father. 
There is many biblical principles and promises that God has given to fathers. And the list can go on. One is of a legacy in Proverbs, again, 23 and 24. It says, the father of one who is right with God will have much joy. He who has a wise son will be glad in him. A father's wisdom is this. I guide you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not be stumbled. Hold on to instruction and do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Proverbs 4, 11 through 13. Again, Solomon is telling his children and telling his, his son and to, to those that are far off, read the instructions. God has given us instruction today. Let me go on quickly. One of the um, scriptures that is known as the love chapter is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let me tell you this. This is the epitome of God. God is all love. And I love this when you look at it, that you can place in some of the words, if you place your father's name into it, such as it says love is patient, you can put Kevin is patient or Kevin is kind. Kevin does not envy, does not boast, is not proud. Kevin is not rude. He's not self-seeking. He's not easily angered. Kevin keeps no records of wrong. Kevin does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Kevin always protects. He always trusts, always hopes, always preserves, and Kevin never fails. Isn't that an ultimate witness of your dad? Just to think of that. Hallelujah. I made an acronym for the word father. And these are some principles that if we look at, one of them is F is faith. To be a father of faith. To be a father that in times of distress, in times that things come into your life or into your family, that you have faith in God and faith and knowing his word, that his word is truth. In a world today that's telling you there is no absolute truth, I'm here to, re- to refute that theory and to say there is absolute truth. It is the word of God. It is your heavenly father. He is absolute truth. For A, allow time for your family. As fathers, as men, sometimes we can get so busy with work and providing for our families that we begin to sometimes forget to instill and to have part and time with our children. So I'm encouraging you, allow that separate time with your children. Take the time out. When your child comes to you and has a a, a problem from school or a homework assignment, take that time to allow time to instill something into them. T is teach your children about God. Teach them about his word and his character. Teach them about integrity and life in general. H is to hear. Hear what your children and wife are saying, even when words aren't even spoken. It is amazing how sometimes people can say things without even moving their lips. And a good father and husband will recognize that. That's knowing your family. That's being the leader and the example. And E is an example 
Be an example for your children. Be a role model. Don't leave it up to the world. Don't leave it up to the sports stars and to the rock stars to lead your children. But you be the example and you be the role model to your children. Let me tell you, it's proven that the same-sex parent is the biggest influence in their children's life. Fathers, you are the biggest example. You are the biggest role model to your son. And mothers, you are to your daughters. They are looking at you. It's a big responsibility and a big calling. And R is relationships. Build lasting relationships. Build relationships with your family and build relationships with each other. I want to just take this moment in closing that I want to honor my father-in-law. I didn't get a chance to know him that well. He died four years after my wife and I married. But one of the things that I was just remarkable about him is how he took each child, he had four children, two girls and two boys. And he would take, he took Nettie and he would take her and they called it petrified wood hunting. And they would go and they would, he would take them through the woods and they would find pieces of petrified wood. And during that time, he would begin to tell Nettie of the process of how long it would take for the water to wash over these pieces of wood until they almost informed like a stone. But he took that time to instill things into her. And he did that specially with her. To his, to his other daughter, he would take her mushroom hunting. And he would show her the ones that were poisonous and ones that were good to eat. And through that time that he would tell them that there's times in your life that there will be things that comes into your life that will be poisonous to you. And to stay away from those things. But there's things also that will be good. And when you come across those things, bring them into your life. Because they are opportunities from God to show him that he cares and he provides for you. And for his two sons, he took and that he took them hunting or he took them fishing and he did the same to them. It brings me to my dad. One of the things I remember most and still remember about my dad is he always had calloused hands. And his hands were always rough. He worked in a coal mine when I was a child. And because he was a provider, we didn't get a chance to spend a lot of time together. So that hardened my heart. And I remember when Nettie and I was dating, I was 17 years old, I remember this. And she came to pick me up for us to go on a date. And my dad came over to the car and he said, maybe one day we can get together and go fishing. And I looked at him and I said, you had 17 years to go fishing for me and with me. It's too late now. I can just see that it crushed my dad's heart. And through the years that followed, God convicted me. And it was many years later that I called my dad and I said, let's get together and go fishing. And I remember that when we went out and we went fishing, I fell into the pond. Yeah. 
And I was stuck in the mud. And I remember my dad reaching that calloused hand out to me. And he said, take my hand and I'll pull you out. And it was that moment that I realized that the calloused hand that corrected me when I was a child and the calloused hands that patted me on the back when I made accomplishments and the calloused hands that guided me through life and held me in times of distress was the same calloused hands that when I fell into pits and trials in my life was the same calloused hands that reached and saved me and pulled me out. It made me think of God. That in times of my life, when I've been deep in despair, that his hands never forgot and never left me in the mud but reached out to me. And so, Dad, thank you for those calloused hands. I love you, appreciate you, respect and honor you. Thank you. So I can't end without, above all the wonderful fathers I talked about already, I can't end without talking about the supreme of them all. His titles alone far surpass any that can be given or has been stated throughout human history. He is the ultimate leader by example. He is known as love. There is no evil in him, no darkness through him. He is just in all his judgments and correction. His peace passes all understanding. He is the father of all creation, the everlasting father. His reputation is flawless. His character is complete. His compassion is incomprehensible. And his legacy is internal. And to those that he has called his children, his name is Abba Father. You have a God that cares about you. You have a God that never leaves or forsakes you. He is your Abba Father. And it is known that even throughout the old Jerusalem today, Jesus introduced him not only as the common father, but he introduced him as Abba. You have a daddy in heaven that cares for you. I know to some here today that when you think of the word father, you think of the word daddy, maybe it brings back bad memories of drunkenness or abuse. But I'm here to encourage you this morning. Please do not hold your heavenly father in that regard and mistakes of earthly father because he is all of love and he is all of compassion and he is all of caring for you and he cares for each and every one of you. So I want to end with this this morning as I challenge you or not in challenge, but I invite you if you do not know and have the relationship and know him as daddy, make that known today. Any good can be turned to be evil. An instrument in the hands of a surgeon is an instrument of life and healing. But the same instrument in a murderer's hand can be an instrument of death. God far succeeds every earthly father that there ever was. He is the supreme example of that. So in a moment, pastor's going to come, and I again am going to invite you, 
if you do not know him as the loving father, as the caring father, please come and don't leave here this morning without knowing him that way. He is a God that cares and loves you very much. He wants you to see that. He hasn't left you fatherless or left you alone or abandoned you. But he loves and cares for each and every one of you. I'm closing right now with this prayer. God told Moses and Aaron, when you speak over the children of Israel, you give them this prayer of blessing. And it says, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you peace. Happy Father's Day, and God bless you, and thank you for your patience this morning. God bless you.